from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. My name is Jonathan Small, the editor in chief of Green Entrepreneur and the host of this program. The Olympics are about to kick off in Tokyo at the end of the month. And the big news is not necessarily what's happening on the field, in the pools, etc., but what's not going to happen. And that's the shocking disqualification of track star Shikari Richardson. Just in last hour, the star sprinter Shakari Richardson will miss the Tokyo Olympics. USA Track and Field announced its relay team roster today, and she didn't make the cut. Richardson is serving a one-month suspension after testing positive for marijuana. In a statement, team officials wrote that while they agree World Anti-Doping Agency rules related to THC should be reevaluated, it would be detrimental to the integrity of the team to amend its policies right now. Richardson was favored to medal at the upcoming Olympic Games. Shepard Smith here. Thanks for watching CNBC on YouTube. And this has raised many issues, of course, but one is the debate over whether or not cannabis is a performance-enhancing drug. And if it isn't, then why ban its use? And though weed is legal in both the city where Shikari used it, which is Portland, Oregon, and more than half the nation at this point, the World Anti-Doping Agency, or WADA, still bans cannabis. And my guest today is an expert on this topic, Josiah Hesse has spent years following the popularity of cannabis consumption in elite sports, culminating in the publication of his upcoming book, Runner's High, How a Movement of Cannabis-Fueled Athletes is Changing the Science of Sports. And Josiah is a seasoned investigative journalist who covers breaking marijuana news, the intersection of marijuana and athletics, politics, economics, culture. He's written for Vice, The Guardian, Politico, the Entrepreneur, High Times. The only, it seems like the only publication you haven't written for so far is Green Entrepreneur. So we have to change that. Josiah, I am so happy to have you on the program. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about what you discovered in writing this book. And of course, the timing is is pretty amazing. You couldn't have timed that there would be this big sort of international news event with Shikari Richardson. But but you you delved really deep into this topic. And tell me what you discovered in terms of the percentage of elite professional athletes. We're talking elite professional athletes in the NBA, the NFL, track and field who are using cannabis. It's a pretty extraordinary number, right? Yeah, it's prevalent in pretty much every sport, every professional sport, well, I suppose even the amateur sports as well. And while it varies from sport to sport, like I'd say it's more popular in things like MMA and extreme sports and endurance running, it still is in every sport. I mean, the PGA has had to uh, put out guidelines about uh, cannabis use and and they've suspended people for cannabis use, uh, professional golfers. It's prevalent in baseball, football, and uh, now that we've uh, seen Olympians as well. The people that I spoke with uh, and some other sources that have spoke with other publications, most of them say it's it's the vast majority professional athletes. I've heard as high as 90%, say, in like endurance running. But in, in, in basketball, there are people who say it's like 80 to 85%. And, and same thing with football, professional wrestling, bodybuilding, pretty much any uh, sport you could think of, people are using it. And it's never just for one thing. I think the most popular reason people are using it and the one that 
people think of uh, when they think of cannabis use in sports is uh, something like CBD for the anti-inflammation properties and uh, for the pain management properties uh, because opioids are such a massive problem in professional sports. Uh, people are, you know, turning to alternatives uh, like cannabis uh, that doesn't have all of the the side effects that uh, opioids do and, and the same problematic forms of addiction. But people are using it for a variety of ways beyond just that. Uh, I meet a lot of people who use it in their training. Endurance athletes I've talked to, particularly ultramarathon runners, that's where I spend the majority of my time for the book. They find beyond the pain management or anti-inflammatory properties, they find a kind of uh, emotional boost. And the phrase I hear so often is dialed in. It gets me dialed into the experience, you know, and if that's a runner that's that's sort of getting lost in the hypnotic rhythms of your feet that, that you know, for endurance runners will go for hours or days, but also for uh, bodybuilders, they'll talk about like, just zeroing in on the curl of the bicep, or there are professional uh, football players who say like it helps them push away the anxiety of, of millions of people watching you and everything surrounding the actual sport itself can kind of melt away. And then suddenly you're just myopically focused on the task at hand. And one thing I, I often point out in the book is it's kind of the antithesis of discipline yeah, I think the way we think of discipline is like, you don't want to do it. Some part of you really struggles to do it, but you push forward because you're trying to achieve a goal. And I'm not putting that down, but what cannabis can provide an athlete is a kind of renewed joy for the experience itself. And I think for anything that you become ambitious with, you run the risk of pushing through the joy, the reason you did it in the first place, you know, that you love this activity so much and you just get caught up in the discipline side of it, which again, I'm not putting down, but it's the, the other side of the coin is maintaining the pleasure of running or playing basketball or whatever and pushing away all the ancillary stuff that surrounds that activity. Yeah, you sort of remember why you got into it in the first place, that there, that pure joy that got you probably interested in athletics in the first place. And it's interesting because I've heard this across disciplines. I've heard musicians tell me that, you know, like jazz musicians and stuff, that when they like to use cannabis because it helps them focus and, and sort of quiet part of their mind that might be kind of doubting or whatever, and just kind of focus more myopically into like a solo or whatever they're doing. And I, it seems like any sort of person performing at a high level finds that a very useful tool. What does the science tell us? Did Were you able to to find science, because, you know, anecdotally, we hear this a lot is and I know that we're very limited in, in how we can research cannabis at the moment. Hopefully that'll change soon. But what does the science tell us about how cannabis works with athletes? There is a lot of science to unpack in this book, and I try not to get too uh, dense with it because there, there was a whole lot I had to learn about human biology to really understand uh, the mechanisms that work with cannabis. Um, but what also fascinated me was the science behind what we've colloquially uh yeah, colloquially can't pronounce that word today it's uh, early it's early runner, yeah called the runner's high you know the natural runner's high thing we've been hearing about for decades that fueled the running boom it is produced at least the science that i report and it's it's pretty overwhelming it is produced by a sort of natural cannabis that exists in the body uh, a cannabinoid called anandamide it comes from the sanskrit word for bliss and this is something that you know setting cannabis aside for just a moment 
This is something that everyone has in their body. We all have an uh, endocannabinoid system that regulates all sorts of bodily functions, but this one specific cannabinoid, anandamide, is really the culprit behind the natural runner's high. And this is part of our evolutionary reward system, the same system that rewards us for, say, food or sex or sleep or learning, these sort of activities that further the species. This is another part of it. It's it's the reward for exercising. It's a decrease in pain and an uplift in mood that allows people to push farther than their current status could, you know, like when you get exhausted. This is a, a little treat that the brain gives us to push a little bit harder that allowed us to, say, track down antelopes, uh, wear them down over days uh, for hunting purposes. But this is an endogenous cannabinoid that acts almost exactly like THC in the brain and in the body. And so THC additionally also induces a release of anandamide. So when you combine these two things, it is uh, an incredible rush of pleasure and and also all of those pain-relieving anti-inflammatory properties as well. This is something that's kind of built into our neural architecture. And so our relationship to cannabis is something that goes back millions of years in terms of an evolutionary standpoint. We've been cultivating cannabis really since the dawn of civilization, but it's something that is is already within us in the same way that like endorphins are an endogenous morphine. That's actually where the word comes from. It's an endogenous opioid. We have an endogenous cannabis inside of us that can be aided by a phytocannabinoid uh, like THC or CBD. So it's something that while we don't know as much as we could about it, there is a lot of research both on the endogenous endocannabinoid system and how cannabis operates within it. And so really, you can't talk about the natural runner's high, all these people that are against cannabis in the athletics world, and talk about like, I don't need it. I'm high on life. I'm high with just my run. It's a, it's a pleasure I get. I'm like, well, that pleasure that's going on in your brain uh, neurologically speaking, is nearly identical to the deadhead smoking a joint at Red Rocks. You know, you're you're achieving a very similar sensation in the mind and body, and so it just makes sense that athletes would and have been turned on to cannabis for a very long time for a variety of reasons. I wonder if there's evidence that the the original Olympians were smoking cannabis. Any evidence? <laughs> Not that I know of, but it has been used, you know, throughout history, particularly Eastern history, uh, going back, what, 5,000 years uh, to ancient China. Uh, it's written about in medical texts, uh, but it has been used for the same kind of application that athletes are using it for, for a long time. Laborers in India or Jamaica would uh, smoke cannabis uh, to relieve not only the pain of of working hard, but the boredom of it and and kind of feel a a sort of like, you know, renewed uh, vigor for the day and for their enthusiasm. Zulu warriors uh, used to smoke it before battle, not just smoke it. They did have these very interesting, like almost bongs that were like built into the ground that they would smoke it from. But they would also use enemas, uh, cannabis enemas and steam bath. And they do it right before battle to kind of relieve the anxiety and boost their courage and get ultimately uh, dialed in to the experience of war. Which sounds horrible to me, but I mean, I'm not a warrior, yeah. so I... I, I, I don't know, a cannabis enema doesn't appeal to me, but but maybe the feeling does <laughs> of afterward. But okay, let's talk about... So you've talked a lot about, you know, the benefits of cannabis for athletes, 
But one thing you haven't talked about or haven't mentioned as it is actually enhancing their performance in an unnatural way, the way we sort of associate steroids with. And I guess it's important maybe to make the differentiation between what steroids do to the body and what cannabis does to the body as far as enhancing performance and not without getting too sciencey. Can you, can you sort of unpack that a little for me? Absolutely. And I think the, the key word there is uh, unnatural or, or pushing you beyond your natural limits. Uh, there's a sports medicine educator that I spoke with for the book who says, uh, when I put ice on someone's uh, injured ankle, I'm not taking that ankle beyond its natural limits. I'm restoring it to balance. And he says cannabis is, is very similar in that dynamic. So it's not like steroids or blood doping that no matter how hard you train or how disciplined you are, you're only going to get so far in your body at a certain point. And then steroids or blood doping can take you beyond that point. So you have two people that are working out the same routine, the same genetics, everything's identical. One of them takes steroids, the other doesn't. The one who takes steroids is going to be just far beyond. That's not the case with cannabis. So when people ask me, is it a performance enhancing drug? I'll say yes, but not in the way we traditionally understand that term. It could also be compared to emotional regulating medications uh, like uh, antidepressants or Xanax. Uh, things that are going to, you know, have a psychotropic effect or, you know, affect your mood in a way that can, you know, alleviate insomnia or depression. If you're severely depressed, anyone will tell you who has, you know, severe clinical depression, you're not that productive. And even if you can force yourself out of bed, force yourself to that starting line, if you're feeling like shit emotionally, you're just not going to perform at the same level as you would if you're emotionally balanced. So with that in mind, you know, with WADA and other organizations banning cannabis for use in competition, you could say, yes, it is a performance enhancer, but there are a number of things that they don't ban that have the same uh, effect as cannabis uh, or operate in the same region, you know, like anti-inflammatories or like uh, antidepressants. You know, these are things that don't really concern them. So to me, it speaks to the reasoning behind that in my opinion, is cultural. It's it's the cultural associations we have with cannabis and how we think of the type of person who uses cannabis, at least in conservative realms like sports uh, typically are. It's the idea of the lazy stoner who isn't ambitious, can't achieve anything. And for the Olympics and really for any professional sport, their bottom line is impacted by the cultural dynamic of sports stars as role models for children. And so if that is threatened by cannabis use, as they believe it is, that I think is the, the underlying factor in it being banned in use. So you think that the, the really the bottom line with this, particularly this qualification of Shakira Richardson is more about culture than about them being concerned that her using cannabis is going to make her a faster runner, give her an un unfair advantage over the other athletes, that it's more about the image of the Olympian and the Olympics. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it is telling. I mean, I can't speak for anyone's motive, but I think it is telling that it's a, a Black athlete that's being persecuted in this capacity because we've seen in sports up until recently that the sports that are dominated by white people like golf or hockey or baseball have uh, much lower penalties for being caught uh, with the dirty urinalysis than the sports predominated by black people like basketball and football. And so I don't think anyone 
is making the case that, you know, like the Lance Armstrong case, like he didn't fairly win the Tour de France, that he used was blood doping and that's why he blew away the competition or he was also using steroids. And, you know, I think with uh, Shikari Richardson, it is an image thing. It is a role model thing. And it is something where they don't want to be associated with cannabis for cultural reasons. Because in Wada's explanation for the ban in cannabis, and they've been fuzzy on this, they'll say, we don't want it because it's harmful. It affects coordination. It can affect concentration. It can you know, have these uh, deleterious effects on an athlete. And in the same breath, they'll say, it's also a performance enhancer. So it's banned for that reason as well. And you're like, well, which is it? Does it fuck you up in the traditional like lazy stoner mentality way? Or is it something that's going to make you run faster and harder than the competition? I mean, I, I saw one tweet that was like, I think Shikari Richardson should win a gold just for being able to run fast on cannabis. And that's kind of like a little bit of a stereotype in, it, in itself. But this idea that that cannabis can possibly make you like faster than other people. It's it's just it's outrageous. In in a way, I think it could indirectly because if you enjoy something, you're likely to do it harder and more often. And the biggest challenge for becoming a high achieving athlete is how hard you train, how disciplined can you be? I remember reading once that Dennis Rodman just lived in the gym. Like he would sleep in the gym. Like the bike at the side, I remember on the side of the court, he would always be like pumping up. Yeah, like doing stuff. Yeah. When he wasn't on the court, he was still biking. And Yeah. And so if cannabis can make you or aid you in restoring your enthusiasm for the activity itself and relieve, you know, some of the pain associated with it, it can aid you in working harder which again goes against a lot of stereotypes that people have about cannabis. But I think that is a way that you could say it could make you a better athlete. But I just like anything else, like you as a podcaster, it's good if you have a great microphone to do this podcast, great equipment and all that. It's not going to make you a great podcaster. Right. I've tried. Believe me, I've invested <laughs> hundreds, thousands of dollars in trying to be a better podcaster. Well, it's a tool in your toolbox that can help you on the path of working hard. Right. Content is king. And I don't know what the equivalent of that is in sports, but but okay. Yeah. So to just to, to to sort of expound on this point a bit, there is a part of the book where, you know, recent studies have shown that those who use cannabis are actually more likely to engage in exercise than those who don't. And scientists believe marijuana may actually be the key to getting more Americans off the off their um their phones and off their couches and onto their feet. And this really flies in the face of sort of the couch lock perception of like the Cheech and Chong stereotype of, with all due respect to Cheech and Chong, I love them, but you know, that kind of stereotypes. But, um, hey, wait, Spicoli actually was a good surfer, so he's not even a good example. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that kind of stereotype. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Like it actually make us more motivated to exercise. Well, yeah, the research is showing that the lazy stoner stereotype just doesn't hold up with the populace. It's not that those people don't exist or that dynamic doesn't exist, but it's just not representative of even the majority of cannabis users. They have uh, lower rates of obesity, uh, better hip to waist ratio, uh, lower rates of cancer. And when there was a study out of CU Boulder that uh, was really just researching a variety of uh, exercise behavior, 
with people. And I think there was something like 800 respondents and they put cannabis on there uh, just kind of as a, as a lark, you know, to see really, I think they were looking to see if uh, the cannabis users were less likely to exercise. And 80% of the people who responded to that survey said they use cannabis before, during, or after their workouts. So I think we're seeing more and more that uh, the lazy stoner idea just doesn't hold up in society. But it is one of those things, like I was saying earlier about the athletes, when you're the reason people don't exercise, in my opinion, uh, is a lot of the time they feel forced to, or it's something that they have to grit their teeth and get through because they don't want a heart attack. They don't want to be unattractive. They don't want to die early whatever the reason is, or their spouse is nagging on them to do it, their doctor is nagging on them to do it, whatever it is, it's some external authoritative force that's saying you better or else. And I think what cannabis uh, does uh, beyond, you know, all of the physical uh, aspects of it is it changes that dynamic. You know, when you talk about getting dialed into the experience, it's a, a pleasantly isolating experience. It's, it's where, nothing else matters. You know, that doctor, that spouse, uh, that's nagging on you to exercise goes away. And this is why I encourage people to, you know, exercise, uh, on their own and not go to a gym where things just can get weird and intimidating. I think it, it allows you to lose yourself in the experience and become something joyful and not something you're disciplined to do, but something you actually look forward to doing, which was my case. And many of the people I spoke with in the book that they had previously hated exercise because they associated it with shouting gym teachers or drill instructors or or whoever, you know, someone shaming them about their body. And they're like, oh, okay, fine, I'll get over, get this over with. And then suddenly, you know, they discover cannabis or particularly combining cannabis with exercise. And they're like, this is the most fun part of my day. This is what I want to do as often as I can. And when you have that relationship with exercise, you do it more often you know, anything that's pleasurable to do, it becomes a priority in your day. And suddenly it went for me as something that I was forcing myself to do for, in my case, mental health reasons. I was managing anxiety with running to it becoming something where I was blowing off other stuff to go run. You know, I I was being irresponsible, you know, in my day of like, I don't really want to clean my bedroom or, you know, reply all these emails like, fuck it, I'm just going to go for a run because that's really what I want to go do. You wanted that runner's high. Yeah, I wanted to take some edibles, put my headphones on and just go for a run. And so, yeah, I think it, it has the ability to change people's relationship with exercise. And you know firsthand that's true. What do you see happening ultimately in professional sports with cannabis? I feel like the train has already left the station and the Shikari Richardson thing really brought into focus a big problem, obviously in the Olympics, but in, in all sports. Uh, do you think ultimately this is a, it's terrible for her and it's terrible that we don't get to see her compete, but she's very graciously said, I'm still young and I'll you know be able to do this in the future. But do you see anything changing? You know, I know some of the leagues like the NFL and the MLB have started to become a bit more lenient with CBD, certainly. But do you see even THC being more accepted? Yeah, and we've seen a lot of changes, uh, particularly after the pandemic and how pro sports persecutes cannabis users. Uh, the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, they've all relaxed their policies on uh, testing for cannabis or what the punishments are for violating cannabis bans. WADA and the U.S. track and field and, and uh, the Olympics, they are, are something different because those are international bodies and we haven't seen the same shifts in 
not only laws, uh, cannabis laws, but cultural attitudes towards cannabis uh, around the world. I mean, it's, it's a very different thing in Japan, you know, or the Middle East. Even though cannabis use is prevalent around the world, it's still very much in the closet. But I think absolutely there will come a time as legalization spreads, as cultural understandings of cannabis changes, as the science changes, to where you could see games being sponsored by cannabis companies. And, and you already saw that Cresco Labs uh, sponsored the Chicago Marathon like five years ago. And there are different um, sporting events, especially with uh, runners um, that are being sponsored by cannabis. But I think you could see athletes being sponsored by cannabis companies. And, and we are, we're already seeing that when it comes to CBD, there's a lot of athletes, particularly retired athletes, but like Megan Rapino has her own uh, CBD uh, product line or is endorsed by one. I forget exactly uh, what her relationship is to it. I think she co-owns it with her sister. What needs to change are people's understandings about how cannabis can be used uh, in uh, an athletic capacity. Because I think right now, like you said earlier about that tweet, you know, it's amazing that Shikari Richardson, you know, could run so fast on cannabis as though she's overcoming the effects of cannabis. It's in spite of cannabis that she can become a great runner. Or people are saying like, hey, let them use it, you know, in their off time, stop persecuting people. It's it's a, the war on drugs has racist backgrounds, which it definitely does. But I don't think that goes far enough in our understanding of the benefits of uh, cannabis in, for an athlete. And that there are, it's, it's like a Swiss army knife of a tool for athletes that it has all of these different applications. So I think that's a shift that even though people are more accepting of cannabis use and there's an industry behind it, and people want it legalized. I don't think as a culture, we're anywhere near understanding how it can be utilized by athletes. Well, hopefully this is a start and people, this will wake up a lot of people, this being such a high profile story with Shikari Richardson. And your book is certainly an eye opener. Uh, Runners High, How a Movement of Cannabis-Fueled Athletes is Changing the Science of Sports. Josiah, thank you so much for talking to us. And, and if people want to find out more about you and about the book, what, where should they go? Well, I guess like anything, Google is always a, a great place to start. I've got a website, josiahesse.com. You can pre-order the book through pretty much any book retailer. But if you Google the title, you'll find a way to pre-order it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And, and I hope you have a good run today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> great talking to you too. All right. You have a good morning. Thank you. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. All right. Take, take care. care. Nice to meet you. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's writeaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later. 